Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. Well, guys, it's in the books, the State of the Union. <laughs> and uh, uh, the president knew good applause lines when he when he saw him. Uh, and that's one of them. Uh, the the Ukraine, uh, the, the, the a rare sight in uh, in recent annals, right? Republicans and Democrats standing up, cheering. What do you guys think? Well, I think the history books will have to be rewritten now. Pericles, the orator, is gone, and we have the new. You know, I'm depressed. I I I, I think it's so. Well, let us help Biden you through this, succeeds. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you guys can be my therapy animals. Lay <laughs> um, down on this couch and tell us all about it. No, no, it is important that Joe Biden succeed. I think he's actually on the strategic level handled the ukrainian crisis really well but he's just such a bad communicator so i i don't want to pile on him but it it let's put it this way it was kind of a tv dinner of a speech a lot of sections punched out of foil they were kind of lukewarm different things the the putin stuff was the easiest i thought he did okay it could have been great wasn't great. He could have invoked Reagan. He could have talked about the whole history of coming to the rescue of free peoples in Europe, how it's always united us as a country. There's so much he could have done. And yeah, he had a couple of good applause lines. I, I love the yacht thing and a few more. So well, perfunctory and acceptable. Don't, don't. Spoiler just, alert, we haven't even played the yacht thing. Oh, all right. It, it's coming up. Every Pull your cards over, listeners, because this is going to be something. <laughs> Unless you're a Russian autocrat, then if I were you, I'd gun it for the border because we, we want the Maybach. But but anyway, so I'm I'm kind of grumpy about it, I guess. No sh- no shit, you're grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're hiding it really well, though. Oh, <laughs> you guys are doing cartwheels. Did you did you love it? No. Look, here's what I think. I think that um, I thought that the front end on Ukraine was strong, but could be stronger. Uh, you know, uh, I think that uh, it. You know, this is. I, I I really he touched on it, and I thought it was important that he did that. This was you know, about what history teaches us uh, when uh, uh, tyrants overrun countries and how ultimately we can't escape uh, our, you know, we can't escape that. We can't isolate ourselves from that. I thought that was really important. Uh, you know, I thought uh, he could have done more of that and raised the stakes and also the sacrifices involved. I was looking for a little more Churchill uh, than we got. Yeah, uh, And you know, what was very clear was that they then just grafted this onto the speech that they had intended to give. Uh, and uh, it was kind of a rough graft. Uh, yeah. And and then they uh, tried to cram everything that they wanted to say in the speech into that back half of the speech. And it to me, it was just too much of a list, uh, too conventional. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I and I want to hear from Gibbs, but I recognize the handiwork of the famous speech writing team of cut and paste. 
because uh, I could just see the emails from the agencies. We talked about this uh, on an earlier podcast where, oh, don't forget the fish and wildlife thing. We got a new solar-powered net somewhere. Put it yeah, in. There was I, I, You'll like this, Murphy. I did text Favreau toward the end of the speech and say, I think uh, the la- in the last 20 minutes of this, the Fish and Wildlife Service won. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, like you, X, I, I, I thought the beginning – I thought Biden was forceful, not to your point, Murphy, because uh, there was a real arc of history or or, or anything like that. I just he felt I mean, I think literally I think he gave it sort of teeth clenched, you know, sort of uh, uh, kind of willed that sort of forcefulness. Um, I, I thought the middle third of it had some good lines and some popular lines with um, some of the economic stuff. Um, you know, I, I think in, in many ways we saw Biden do what he really couldn't do or, or didn't do, uh, during the debate on build back better, which is talk about the component parts rather than just, uh, you know, the banner that said build back better. And then as, as we all have said, I mean, I thought the, the back third just was, um, everybody kind of getting in their line yeah I was we should al- point out Kips, you and i've been in the white house okay and yep. you know and and it is yeah. ferocious the every bureaucracy and government right. is right. fighting to get their one sentence in the speech and and then everybody within the white house has favorite items that yeah. they want to put in the speech and 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 it 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 is very it's difficult for speech writers yeah. uh, you know to tell a coherent story and fit everything. Uh, well, I can report tonight, uh, David, that, that the bureaucracy won the last uh, <laughs> third of the speech uh, going away. There was one layup that I was sure he was going to do, and it was an old Reagan 101 trick during the Cold War, which is I want to say a word to the people of Russia. Your kids are being conscripted and thrown into a war they don't want to fight against officers who don't care for them, being forced to do horrific things that will haunt them the rest of their life. Many are deserting. You are not our enemy. You know, there was a direct Yeah, no, that message. would have been smart. It would have been really strong. It would have been empathy Biden, seeing both sides at the people level, and isolate Putin anymore. And it's such an easy layup, and I'm stunned they, they didn't do it. Anyway. So play this, listen. play this, because this, there is an element, I thought here, of talking to uh, the Russian people, albeit obliquely. Let, let's listen to this. Tonight, I say to the Russian oligarchs and the corrupt leaders who built billions of dollars off this violent regime, no more. The United States... I mean it. The United States Department of Justice is assembling a dedicated task force to go after the crimes of the Russian oligarchs. We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for you, ill-begotten gains. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. <laughs> there goes my Aeroflot vacation, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah. Your frequent flyer status is now in uh, in some jeopardy. Yeah, I'm only a single Borscht now. I, I lose let, my triple. Let, let me just say, if they've listened to this podcast 
over the years. You're, you're definitely on a no-fly list over there anyway. So <laughs> I, I have been officially accused as an enemy of the Soviet Union. It's a long story. But, but, but what's it, you know, I, I, the thing that makes Putin vulnerable in his country, uh, yes, this is an unpopular decision, and the economic measures that are being taken against Russia are going to make people uh, deeply, deeply unhappy. But the reason that uh, uh, Navalny was so such a threat to Putin was because he was prosecuting the corruption. He was pros- prosecuting the uh, kleptocracy. He and uh, you remember he he uh, that before he uh, was snatched. You know, they released a video of a documentary on Putin's estate, uh, yeah. on his seaside estate. So uh, I thought, you know, if any Russians were listening, uh, that line would uh, resonate with them. It also may be the line where he finished, uh, uh, Wolf Blitzer mentioned tonight, that he ad-libbed the lines and they don't know what's coming, uh, you know, he or he has no idea what's coming. Uh, so, you know, I think there was some, there was a sense that uh, we're going to continue to make uh, Putin's life uh, miserable. But I agree, Mike, you, 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 you that, that would have been a good move. Uh, your, uh, the other your thing suggestion. I think would have helped him is do a little laundry list of what we're doing right now. Yeah, the sanctions are really biting. I like the ruble line. He kind of brought all that to life. But in the last 72 hours, we've shipped over 9,000 of this and that, the European allies, you know, because there's this massive attempt to try to arm the Ukrainians. I think a little more color on all that to show action is going on would have helped him, too. I don't know. I don't know what he can say. I don't know what he can say. Well, they're all being pretty. They can't. He can't say on Highway 11 in a disguised, you know, lumber truck because of the problems flying stuff in. Though, you know, knowing the CIA's history of daredevil pilots, I wouldn't be surprised. But he doesn't have to get into all the operational details. He can do what the Europeans have been doing. Sweden, five thousand missiles, helmets. You know, a little laundry list of all the stuff they're doing to show action and acceleration would have been good. David, you brought up a point a minute ago, uh, thinking and. In- sort of saying that uh, this part was grafted onto the earlier speech. How, how yeah. much do you think what we've been talking about and maybe not singing at a high level or whatnot or, or, or being pretty sort of standard applause line um, had to do less with the grafting and more with this, probably the battle that was also going inside of the White House, which was, is this a Ukraine speech or is this, a Ukraine introduction to an economic speech that he needed to give, I thought, more forcefully for his own politi- uh, political well-being. No, I think that there was a sense that we have to do this Ukraine thing. This is the issue of the moment. Uh, so let's do it. Let's do it at the top, uh, let, and let's and then let's get on with it. Uh, I thought you were going somewhere else, which is, you know, I think when you try and put uh, an hour and 20 minute speech into an hour, you have to cut somewhere in it. I think they cut a bunch of the uh, cut a bunch of the transitions. But here's the thing. Uh, You know, it is he's not the first president to uh, to uh, have a long list in his State of the Union. No, that is the customary thing. But these are not customary times. okay? and uh, I think obviously the beginning of the speech was not customary because we have a crisis in Ukraine. What we've gone through in the last couple of years, a huge crisis in this country. And I thought he could tell that story about the resilience of the American people and 
I thought that would be the big pivot. You know, after the Ukraine thing, we're standing tall and proud in a moment where we have suffered and then get yeah. into COVID and, and work it out. Instead, it was just you could kind of hear the stapler crunch, you know, page <laughs> yes. two. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, to your point, I mean, he started out, he started out the, the night with, you know, talking about all being there and all being without masks. And, and there was this sort of quick COVID reference, which I've assumed to, to what you've said, sort of sliding in the Ukraine section of it, that he would come out on with a bit of thematics around it. Um, I, I thought that was what was coming. And, you know, look, I did think some of the economic stuff, again, was powerful. I think them enumerating the aspects of Build Back Better without the banner, um, I, did, I did think it showed some power in some of the popularity of those ideas. Whether or not that pulls through, I really don't know. I was also struck, um, and I know we're doing this a lot of order, but I, I thought there were some real powerful moments in this idea of a unity agenda. And talking about the op- opioid crisis, talking about these, you know, the burn pits and the the cancer and disease that it's caused our veterans, and I was just genuinely struck that that the unity the unity agenda in the speech was literally right before the close. I, I thought if you didn't really want anybody to know it, here's where you'd stick it. And yet, in a speech that felt like he wanted some unity. I, I just was a little struck by having that part at the end. Lauren you Boebert know, was it wasn't impressed by that unity t- section because right before she right in the middle of that burn yeah, she pit, howled. Yeah, she started yelling at him about the thirteen uh, service people who died in Afghanistan. But back to your point, David. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you because um, well, these things time, tend man. to be laundry lists because that's the process. You yeah. know, it's, they have a big meeting. Hey, we have to design a caterpillar. 200 legs or 300 legs, they have a big fight and they land at 281. And, you know, people think they've won. This was a different speech in a different moment. And I think he would have been well served if the staff had said, you know, this one, less is going to be more this time. We got a few big things. We got Ukraine. We got COVID. We have inflation. We have middle-class economics. Bingo, bango. Let's do those really well. Keep it under an hour. By the way, we do not have Pericles, the orator here. So poetry is very hard for our guy. So we're going to go the Hemingway route. Short, punchy, no bullshit, big stuff, empathy. Instead, they just did the laundry list. And again, on the speech running level, I thought, and I hate to say this because I know how hard these folks all work, uh, the language and phrasing all that was, was mediocre in most of the sections, a few good applause lines. And I feel like I heard, you know, they always do the process leaks during the day well gina raimundo is going to be in the bunker we haven't even uh, talked about that that's I the know, biggest I news know. of the speech i'm Murphy. so glad nothing happened because if the capital had, had something had happened at the capitol tonight and gina raimundo had <laughs> turned out as president <laughs> who would have been the first suspect oh well one <laughs> Not I, the Russians. I, I, I locked down an alibi tonight but we were texting and secretary raimundo and i agreed that if something went wrong operation sledgehammer starts and we'd be in moscow by tomorrow morning but uh <laughs> so but no but but seriously they one of their process leaks was the president is busy making last minute changes which we all know is code for he hasn't paid a lot of attention to this to the last 48 hours probably hasn't been practicing a lot no admittedly he's been a little busy of a land right. war in europe but still, that to me was a, a a sign that it may not be the sharpest effort as far as performance. You know, there was a very conscious effort to kind of 
tack back to the middle to sort of reclaim Biden's uh, status as a as a moderate. Jeff, let's play that number seven clip just as an example. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. Fund them with resources and training. Resources and training they need to protect our communities. Solid triple. Yeah, there were a number of good. touches like that. Uh, I mean, you know, talked about kids belong in school, talked about the securing the border. He talked about, he hit a lot of themes that would be, you'd characterize as kind of moderate themes. And I bet you that those things were yeah. noted. I bet you people heard that. Well, this may have been the most memorable line of the speech, the the fund the police line. And and I, I don't know that anybody had that uh, uh, on any of their bingo cards. Uh, but I do think um, tremendously important politically uh, for the Democratic Party because uh, this is this still bubbles out there. It still bubbles out there because you have some very very liberal members that that keep bringing this up, even though they generally say right after I'm going to keep saying defund the police that they say we have to explain that they have to explain the slogan better. Um, newsflash, if you have to re-explain your slogan, uh, it's yeah. not altogether uh, that powerful. But I, I thought this was an interesting moment. I thought probably a really important moment for November, less for February. Um, but I, I was a bit surprised by it. You know, it, I agree on the politics of it, but the problem is when you do 118 things, it's easy for stuff to get lost. Good actors know the non-important dialogue you throw away. So the stuff that counts punches through in the performance. And, you know, again, a shorter, tighter speech with this and a few other things would have helped him because it would have popped more. But, yeah, politically, going back to the center, really smart. I'm curious, was, wasn't there like four other State of the Union responses from various lefties in the party? I don't know if any of them picked a fight with them, but I thought it was yeah, a which solid is asinine, triple. by the way. You know, right. incredibly. I mean, it, it just, you know, I, I'm. I'm an apostate, but I'm a Republican. So I went to, you know, I spent a lot of years in our trenches. Our first rule is pick up sticks and attack enemy no matter what all together. Uh, and just to be able to free, anyway, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but uh, kudos to Biden for that. The other thing, I'll praise something because we've been banging on him. He is the best in the business at the gallery stuff because he ad libs something real, like that kid yeah. uh, who was up there and he did a happy birthday. And he's just himself, and he kind of connects with the real people a little better than he does with the camera sometimes. He's, he's tremendous at that, and it's authentic, and it really helps him, I think. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. You know, it's not easy to give a State of the Union address, and our President Joe Biden, well, I'd bet good crisp money that he's having some gut health problems. I know I would. So the president ought to do what our crack producer and all-around Wonder Woman, Allison, does. Take athletic greens because if you don't have a lot of time, if you want better gut health, if you want more energy and an optimized immune system, and you hate taking pills and vitamins, you want something that's easy to use and tastes great, 
Well, check out Athletic Greens. Find out what all the hype is about. People feel better after they take this. Because with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. That's a new one to me to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, everything you want for good health. So again, it's easy. It's a powder. You scoop it in. It's got a great backstory. Athletic Greens was created when the founder had a bunch of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. He said, no, thank you. There's got to be a better way. And he created Athletic Greens after experience how difficult it was to create an optimal nutritional routine on your own. There are over 7,000 five-star reviews for Athletic Greens. It's recommended by professional athletes and other people who use it. It's very lifestyle-friendly. I don't care if you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, a meat chomper like me. You name it, you can take it. There's less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, tricky chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. And you know what? It'll help you sleep better too, as well as give you what, well, we all know Axelrod and Gibbs could use, more mental clarity and alertness. So check out Athletic Greens. We have a great, great offer for you, and we make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give our listeners a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com hacks. Again, the magic website with that great offer is athleticgreens.com hacks. Take ownership of your health. Check it out. One of my concerns, yeah, I wrote a piece about this, was that you got a country where uh, 30% of Americans say we're on the right track. Uh, there's tremendous disaffection about the economy, a lot of it having to do with inflation. Um, you know, and much as was true in... Uh, in his press conference before, uh, you know, on the anniversary of the, of the inauguration, his inauguration, there, there's such an energetic desire to sell accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I think the people in that room want him to because they want people to know what they've done, Democrats in that room. I just wonder how that's received, you know. I just wonder how that's received because people aren't feeling that good. Yeah. And do they feel better having listened to the president saying, you know, things are actually a lot better than I thought? I think there's a market for some of it, but too far comes quickly. I thought the infrastructure rip was the best one he had because that's jobs and you're all in on it. But yeah. too much of that, people are like, God, he has no idea what's going on in my life. And when your language is political, you know, uh, Wall Street this, or, you know, there are a hundred of them, when it's, when it's political politician cliche talk that they've heard a thousand times it doesn't help because i think that plus the tone of let me tell you all the great things i did for you um just people think he's not connected and then you know he's not a spring chicken so they start thinking about that too (laughs) right well it's a really it's a really hard line i think too david i mean we struggled we we, i don't know that we struggled with this in the white house as much as people lobbed in calls from the outside saying we weren't doing enough of this 
Um, right. And I think it's a it's a very hard line to walk. And to your point, I think a lot of people inside that chamber want to hear him say it so that they can repeat it. Um, and I do think there's a bit of a feedback loop. It's a very tricky thing. I was a little surprised there wasn't a little bit more lean in on inflation. Yeah. I, biggest I, issue. I, yeah. And I mean, I thought that. Partly I thought, because there's not very many good answers, I guess. But. Right. I don't think there's a lot of tools in the toolbox to deal with it. Um, I, again, I thought there was some forcefulness in, you know, uh, American jobs and buy America and, and building manufacturing plants uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and things like that that were good. Again, I just don't know how much of that, to Murphy's point on good lines, bad lines, how much of that stuff pulls through. I mean, th- this will be the biggest audience he talks to. Uh, and this is a, an event that, while it's going to be a president's biggest audience, is has a diminishing um, has diminished over the past 10 or 15 years. He has a great story on that chip plant. And it was kind of mangled in the in the way it was done, but it is a tremendous story, and it, yeah. I, I think there was room for it in the speech. It's a huge win. Here's some that I, I bet you scored, Jeff. Uh, rack up number five. When we use taxpayers' dollars to rebuild America, we're going to do it by buying American, buy American products, support American jobs. The federal government spends about $600 billion a year to keep this country safe and secure. There's been a law on the books for almost a century to make sure taxpayers' dollars support American jobs and businesses. Every administration, Democrat and Republican, says they'll do it. But we're actually, we're actually doing it. That's just one. But he had a lot of Buy America riffs mm-hmm. yeah. in here. And I bet you those things scored. Yeah, I, uh, I, I fear that aircraft carrier decks are going to be a lot more expensive now, being a uh, world free trader. But politically, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's gold for him. And the child care stuff. I wish he, of all his entitlement stuff he wants to promise and all that formula and your side that's so popular, the child care thing has power. He presented it pretty well. It's something else that could have stood out more if it wasn't an 82 point plan. Yeah. No, yeah. I think those, are, and those are, you know, I don't know what I think. The I think um, Biden goes to Wisconsin tomorrow. I think there's you know probably be interesting to see. Traditionally, you get a president who tries to hit the road a bit after this, give some legs and some lift to different parts of the speech that we know played well. Whether it's cutting prescription drug prices or to your point, Murphy, making childcare um, less expensive. There's a lot you can do with that. There's a lot of stories in middle America that you can tell. I don't know how much Ukraine and 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 meetings in the Situation Room will keep him off of Air Force One uh, and being out there in the country and, and, and driving some decent local coverage. It'll be hard. Y- yes. I think the Ukraine story is, is blotting. Just real quick, uh, do you go to Brussels, NATO meeting, all the European? Because the, the Ukraine thing is going to get worse. The Russians have thrown the switch to do their Grozny deal, which is shell everything, don't even aim, kill everybody, make it right. so painful. So the humanitarian crisis is going to get worse and worse. And I think something about the old world leader emergency meeting on the human yeah. rights crisis would be good optics for Biden. Yeah, no, listen, I think that uh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things about the top of the speech, whether you liked it, its execution or not, whether it should have been longer, 
you know, uh, whatever you think about it, he was he was speaking as the leader of the free world. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is stature enhancing, and that is strengthening, and 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 he uh, uh, and he should do he should definitely do more of that. Um, but I, you know, I think they pro- they probably got out of this what they hoped they would get out of it in the sense that the repositioning. The Ukraine statement, which will lead the repositioning, which will be heard. Uh, you know, he he sounded uh, he sounded more uh, moderate. Yeah. Um, you know, those are two big things that they yeah uh, they accomplished with it. Well, no, just to your point, Murphy. I think you know whether he goes to Brussels or or whether he he does some sort of bilateral uh, meetings. I mean, I, I do think there's some real. And you and I have talked about this. I think there's there's some real need for them to not just talk about what's at stake, but to to your point earlier as well, talk about what they've already done, right? Because I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure that America is synced up on this the way that cable news is. Um, yeah. And you know, you look at the post poll that came out over the weekend with some not great approval ratings for him. You know, his approval rating over in this poll for for dealing with Ukraine was only at 33%. Yeah, which is um, really... And so we know this is going to take a ton of his time, right? He's going to be um, in a lot of these meetings, a lot of these calls, and have to make a lot of decisions around this. If this is going to take up a bunch of time, then it is really worth leaning in on because it, this is his chance to play the more traditional role of leader, right? And and to oh, look totally. strong it and not weak yeah. in a way that he was pushed... Uh, into, I think, playing president of the Senate for most of the fall. No, I totally agree. And and just real quick, and then we'll move on. Biden also has a little lottery ticket in his back pocket that could pay off really big for him. Um, Does he know this? Yeah, well, we've, we've crushed the ruble. They can't open their They thought it was his cleaning. But, so yeah. there are a lot of, lot of oligarchs that are getting wiped out. That's one. Two, the Russian foreign policy apparatus has had one goal for 40 years. Keep Europe divided and never let the Germans rearm. Both are happening. Huge strategic failure for them. Like, I don't care what faction you're in there. This is a heart attack level thing. And three, you got a lot of generals who were pushed into this who are now going to be purged afterward and are going to be up on war crimes trials and can't leave Russia. And Putin can be a bad adversary. So Putin isn't Stalin. He doesn't have the firmest grip in the world. There are 700 people who yeah, run Russia. And, right. and we could wake up tomorrow and a, a security committee announces his retirement. It could really happen. And then Biden has hit the biggest home run since Reagan. Uh, so weigh in a little because you may win that lottery ticket. I think the message that is being sent, everyone knows you can't stop Putin in the short term from overrunning Ukraine, although he may be faced with a, a, a ferocious oh, a uh, insurgency there. But uh, in the long term, the cost of it is something that could drive him right out of office. Right. It, you know, And yeah. that's, I think, the, the message that Biden's trying to send. Listen, speaking of messages, he strode into that, the, into that chamber, which was mostly filled uh, and without a mask. No one was wearing masks. Uh, and obviously, their hope had been that they they postponed the speech till March first for a reason. 
Yeah. And that was we were going to be past the virus and mm-hmm. we could celebrate being past uh, the virus. That kind of got messed up by events, as often happens uh, in in that building in the White House. But what what do you think that that whole the imagery of that and the reality that people are feeling? I mean, I was in New York uh, yesterday and a lot, you know, mostly people weren't wearing masks anymore. I mean, is there is is he going to get a lift uh, from that? Possibly. I think it's a long hangover. Um, but it was another reason why in the speech, I thought they kind of buried the COVID thing. And I think there was more to do there. And the, the Pfizer miracle mm-hmm. pill, though it was quite a transition after the Pfizer I miracle pill. I think that was a good hit, that, actually. Yeah, I thought it was a great hit. And then 12 seconds later, those damn pharmaceutical companies. That was a good hit, too, Murphy. You don't like it, but that was <laughs> I know, a good hit, too. <laughs> I know. You, you class warriors. I don't want I never, I never to trample on your clients. No, I don't work for pharma. I do not actually. <laughs> okay, I was just uh, and guessing. it's about time we blame the PBM. You should by the work way. for them for crying out loud for the shilling that, that you do. I am a fan of the miracle vaccines. No, uh, I, listen, I have a child who's alive because of that. But you're right. I just want to say you're right. No, he had a home run there, and he buried it and bunted a double instead. So yes, this goes back yeah. to your point. If they had just concentrated on the big things, yeah. If they had just concentrated on COVID on inflation, on crime, you know, if, if they just focused on the big things that are, that people are talking about at their kitchen tables and that are, that are worried about and thinking about, if he had just focused on those and he would have got more credit for those things that really are home runs. Beat Putin abroad, beat inflation at home. We're beating COVID because we are who we are. And by the way, we're going to fund the damn cops. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it, we don't. I don't know why they have to make a 28-course meal. Now, by the way, we should do a moment of silence here. Speaking of when he walked in without the mask, which I agree is a big moment. But there was something missing from the walk-in. Elliot Engel, member of yes, Congress, yeah, right, who was right. famous, famous for standing in this one space. It, like right. He would get there at 6 a.m., and be there for the big handshake yes. as the, and on the cameras. And he made like a art out of it for 15 years. He lost his primary last cycle. He's no longer in Congress. But end of an era. I heard that Elliot Engel was literally sitting right by his television screen for six hours before <laughs> the State of the Union. Yeah. <laughs> Just so he could be the first to... To, to touch the screen. Right. Uh, when the president <laughs> I'm sure there's a in. selfie. On the, and by the way, Elliot, we love you. I'm a, I'm a fan. He was a good congressman. But to your point, David, I mean, it was, I don't know if the right word is jarring to see everybody without a mask, but in, in a sense it was. Um, it will be interesting, and, and we've talked a bit about this before. You, you know, we're now at a place when you look at kind of the polling um, with COVID that, that we're in that place again where people think the worst is behind us rather than in front of us. Um, how long that those numbers stay like that um, and, uh, and and whether or not he can make some, some real inroads during that time period, I think we'll say a lot about his political health over the course of six months because you could imagine that Things begin to open up a little bit more. Normalcy comes back. Now I know we've we've been on this seesaw before with different variants, um, but I have to think as many people that got sick with Omicron and have been boosted, we've got a, a better chance at some normalcy. 
And you wonder, do supply chains begin to open up a little bit? Um, is is there that normalcy in schools? And, and I think there is a real chance. I'm not saying it's in, in any way guaranteed, but I do think there's a fundamental chance that he could be looking at a different scorecard in a few months than he probably is right now. And 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 I you know I I never thought this was a speech that was going to turn the page and all the no weather was going to break. Does, yeah. No, 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 and nothing could or can. Um, but I do think some stuff is set up. We'll see whether or not he gets a few lucky breaks in the way that he hasn't before. And the Republicans yet again you know, spent a lot of time going to asshole school, sitting back and smirking and everything. I think McCarthy was playing junior Nintendo on a device. Uh, they don't help themselves with that though. To be fair, so we got to send vice president Harris to a school to do a better job with the, you know, kind of the middle distance stare, <laughs> just the Pelosi knows how to play it back there, but, but, but Kamala needs That's a, little, a Pence little thing. She was, she was, she was doing a Pence thing there with the stare. I guess my fundamental bottom line uh, on this whole thing is it was a, it was an, it was a fine speech. It was a it was a very very serviceable State of the Union speech. It did some work for them, and maybe I said this at the beginning, but guys, it's ten after one, so uh, <laughs> I can't even remember what I said at the beginning. But these are really really extraordinary times. I mean, the Ukraine uh, uh, the the Ukraine. Uh, in, uh, invasion is historic. It's a echo of the last century that we thought was behind us, uh, and it's a really big challenge for the world. Uh, so, you know, that's one element of it. And we're still laboring through the impact of the worst pandemic mm-hmm. in a hundred years. And I, I think, you know, this was a. a this was, to me, too much of a conventional speech in unconventional yeah. times. That, that, to me, is the real story of it. It was perfunctory. It was adequate. But it didn't raise to the moment. It could have been the best speech of Joe Biden's life. And it didn't get to that. Now, does that mean the world changes tomorrow? No, the West is going to win. The problem is the heavy price in Ukrainian blood because these guys are going to butcher their way through. you got a cornered animal. And unless we want to fight Russians, we have to wait them out and wait for it to catch up with Putin. That's going to be heartbreaking. But Biden, Biden histor- history will treat them better than these speech reviews will, I think, in the long time. But we, you know, th- just to finish on this point, it's always been their problem is communications. That, that's the broken thing. Biden's had the right instincts. The policy has been good on the foreign policy. Of course, I disagree with a lot of the domestic stuff as a conservative. But, boy, if they could fix that, they'd be better off. It's just in their way. And I think yeah. the speech was more evidence of that. Yeah, there's, there's certainly challenges. I do think, to your point, David, I think they probably got, they got probably out of this what somebody that is a little bit, that, that isn't the world's greatest communicator, he's not Reagan, um, my guess is that they got, to your point, they got some repositioning. They got to say, fund the police, don't defund the police. They got some good um, some good shots at Putin in the beginning. Uh, and so all in all, probably um, will like where they came out on this. Uh, I think these things can tend to be bigger traps than they are bigger upsides. Uh, in some ways, just because, as we've talked about, there's just so much you just have to do and say. And, and I think as much as people want to be unconventional, 
this is about as conventional an, a, a venue and about as conventional a speech. We talked about this, you know, you got to have a line in there and they saved it for the end, right? Like what is the state of our union? It's a very conventional moment. And I think it's hard to become truly unconventional in these things. I, I, I you know, look, David, we, we, and Favre remind us, we go to these meetings, you know, well, let's do something totally different. Let's do like a 30 minutes, but, and it just, you know, by the time that meeting Magic is over, tricks. you're yeah. you're back to 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 the really conventional. Just to zoom though, out though, a little though, bit. Can I just interrupt you for a minute, yep. Gibbsy? Uh, one thing I thought from the outside, you guys did well, is you had a writing team that could write to Obama's voice. Uh, Biden has less of a voice than Obama did, but they don't write to it, and they've got to find that and find people who hold the pens who can write to a Biden-esque voice, so he doesn't trip over the stuff the way he did tonight i think part of the great thing that we had murphy was the and, and you know is we had great people and we had them on the podcast uh just last week you know really talented speech writers like a john favreau um and even john realized when he walked into the oval office with a speech draft that he was he was the he was at best the second best speech writer right. inside that building um so it was easier to write for his voice because in many ways those drafts, those edits that, that the speechwriters got back were from somebody who was a really, really talented speechwriter. Yeah. I want to pick up and just zoom out for a second, just writ large on kind of where we are in the political environment. Because Wait, before you do, before you do, can I say one more thing about the speech? Sure. I kind of thought the architecture of the speech would be such that he might return to Ukraine at the end. Yeah. That and he been might the finish on, you know, yeah. uh, glory be to Ukraine, which is what uh, the Ukrainians say, uh, I think you could have done a really emotional end about, you know, the, uh, we, you know, we, we, as we, as we work to perfect our own democracy, we honor, you know, our brothers and sisters in, uh, Ukraine, you know, who are right. laying their lives down right now. Well, do it be nine Berliner. You know, do the glory be to in in Ukrainian. I mean, it could have been great. Okay, widen out, Gibbs. Yeah, all writ right, large. So, a new million dollar word from Gibbs here. Writ all large. Right. I want to hear about the vast canvas of the political landscape. Uh, adjust your zoom lenses. Right. No, no. Um, I, there's been an interesting set of discussions in the last four or five days about how you know has Ukraine changed the fundamental arc of this presidency? Um, and I think there was probably a bit of debate. Uh, in this going into the speech, right? Do, we talked about it at the beginning. Do, is this a Ukraine speech or is this a Ukraine introduction that goes into, uh, you know, kind of a more conventional but domestically focused, inflation-oriented economic speech? Um, do, do you guys think, or how much has the arc of the of this president's term been changed by the events of the last week? Or... Are we going to look back in six months and there'll be three other things that somebody says, this is going to change the arc of writ large? I'll tell you something. I The one thing that I learned during the Obama years was uh, we it's very, very hard to judge in the moment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I, the, you know, my feeling, I mean, I, I don't have any doubt that the events in Ukraine are going to be historic. a real historic me- yeah. moment. The question is, does it have any lasting impact on him? Uh, and I think, you know, I do think that the speech reflected uh, 
the speech reflected where uh, the American people's heads are. I mean, we wanted more on Ukraine. I think there should have been. But actually, in the uh, poll that CNN took after the thing, and I understand what those are questionable to some degree, but there was a there was a sense that he had not spoken enough about. Uh, you know, inflation and some of these other issues. Well, that's yeah. also true because there was yes. so much stuff. The inflation right. thing got lost a little. Right. I, I, I'll just I'll just quote the great ca- uh, closet capitalist Deng Xiaoping, <laughs> who was alleged to say and probably didn't say, but it's such a great line. I'll use it anyway. They asked him, <laughs> "What do you think of the French Revolution of 1789?" And he said, "Too early to tell." <laughs> I think uh, I, I see it that way with Biden, though politically, I think he's still heading for an iceberg in the midterms. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, look, the, yes, as we said, this Harvard Harvard tonight to have have really changed a, a bunch of that, and I think there's a lot of questions in the next few months to be answered about, you know, what is their legislative agenda? How much of that? Um, how much of that can they get done? How much of that can they even have a debate about? Um, you know, uh, how much is Ukraine going to just is, how much is that going to just take up all of, or almost all of, uh, his time and the bandwidth? If inflation is what it is now or worse because of Ukraine, unless people write it off to Ukraine, uh, I, I think he, you know, it's going to be a very bad uh, November. He's got basically three or four months, and there's and some of so much of this is out of his control. He needs lottery tickets because it's not going to be easy to right. subdue inflation in the next no. uh, four months. And I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't know that. I mean, he passed a historic uh, infrastructure bill, mm-hmm. and uh, that that. That hasn't helped him. I just think people need to feel better in their lives. They need to feel like, you know, the right. economy, the inflation is under so, control. There, they, they need to feel it. They don't need the president to tell them that they should feel it. They right. actually need to feel it. And if they don't feel it, then all this stuff doesn't matter. And right now, you know, at current course and speed, it's not. It's not hopeful. If you can tell me what the price of milk and a gallon of gas are on October twelfth, then I'll tell you if Biden's out of his, his right. spiral or not. Right. Yeah, I can't, Murphy. I know. Even with your Kreskin-like power, if we <laughs> if we could, we we wouldn't be here talking to you. We'd be, you know, logged into a computer selling, you know, oil futures or whatnot, or buying lottery tickets and picking the right numbers. Yeah, no or kidding. buying rubles on five cents on the dollar. And the theory the Silovics are going to do something about their damn problem over there. But uh, we will see. I'm raising a, a hacks brigade, by the way. So we're. Uh, we're, we're all going to move our armchairs 10 feet closer to the yes. battlefield and come yes. back with more we will We will go and lob barbs from a distance. Yeah, right, the, exactly. Incoming. We have hard-hitting press releases, maybe some negative <laughs> mail. We're going to show that comedy <laughs> SOP, how it's done in American politics. Hey, uh, two quick things before we, we, we're out. Yeah. Um, one is uh, you, you probably missed it, and I forgot to get each of you a gift, uh, but the primary started tonight uh, oh, yeah. in Texas. That is true. Uh, uh, Greg Abbott, the incumbent governor, will face, not surprisingly, Beto O'Rourke in the governor's race. Right. George P. Bush uh, looks close, as if right? he's a little ahead. He's a little ahead uh, in second place. We, he's going right, to squeak right. into runoff. a runoff against incumbent uh, and, and embattled Attorney General Ken Paxton. 
uh, Paxton is a, in, in battle. Is polite. Yeah, well, you know, this is a it's late, Pax. I want to be nice. Yeah. What about Cisneros? That's Cisneros. So that that deal. one, uh, I've been ahead, hitting right? hitting refresh on the Texas Tribune website for a good portion of the night. Um, she Thousand is right votes. on. Yeah. She's right on the cusp. Um, it's gone back and forth, but it, my guess is, and we'll know more obviously in the morning. But this looks like this one as well could be going to a runoff with. If you don't get fifty percent, uh, you're headed right. to a runoff. And she's um, the last I checked, she was slightly ahead. Uh, but at one point, you know, this was only a, a couple of dozen votes. So, and, and um, that one's a big one. Just to put a yeah. footnote on it, she's a Bernie progressive. Ran against him last time. He's kind of a pro business moderate, and that is not a safe district. But right. his problem is the FBI dropped by to talk to him, and they weren't looking for an autograph. <laughs> so, you know, that thing, either either way, you got damaged good in the general in an area where the R's have had a bit of a comeback with uh, voters. So that's one I think the D-Trip is probably very concerned about either way. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of, of those are interesting races to watch the beginning of a very busy uh, season. I want to say one quick thing to listeners before we go. Um, we've talked a lot about Ukraine tonight. We did it a lot from a political lens. I know all three of us and, and many of the people that listen have been glued to uh, to the pictures on on cable TV and the news. And, and Murphy, you said it's going to get a lot worse, these pictures. Um, if you're wondering, listening to this podcast, what you can do, there's a lot of great organizations that, uh, that are helping folks out. Um, folks like the World Central Kitchen, uh, Chef Jose Andres, who is uh, in Poland, trying to feed displaced families heroically um the international rescue committee um that helps uh displaced families and displaced persons and we've had you know more than half a million people leave ukraine and go uh, somewhere else as this has started and people like doctors without borders who are still in in ukraine trying to provide help my guess is they're going to be a lot busier in the days to come so if if you're listening to this and wondering how you can help um organizations like that um uh i are a great place to uh to send some money and and try to help out uh, a lot of people in the world who are fighting for democracy and freedom uh and, and are under under the the violent and tyrannical grip of uh, a 40 mile convoy headed their way uh and a madman in vladimir putin apparently out of gas but yeah no i totally agree international red cross is doing a lot too uh, and so let's all pray for a free Ukraine and those poor yeah. innocent civilians. Glory be to Ukraine. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>